0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for another edition of our bi weekly, as it's come to be known as, uh, Amazing Race Canada coverage. Uh, we're here to catch up on episodes five and six of the Amazing Race Canada season seven. And not joining us today will be Anthony Rossi. He's taking the week or I guess two weeks off. Um, but pleasant surprise we are joined by another contributor who's coming out for the first time this season uh, as he's been off globe trotting and pretty much we're, we're guessing doing an amazing race Scandinavia edition or something like that um, we can pretty much get into this any second now uh, but first things first I'm hoping you have a line as well my name is Colin and vanilla custard powder ice or sugar
1: my name is Jared and six against one is cheating honey okay. <laughs>
0: Oh, I can't wait because like we are really only halfway through this season, but Jared here has missed so much, so much drama, uh so many opinions going both ways and we're going to get into his feelings on the entire season. Uh, as you've caught up, what j- probably just about a week is th- is that how long it took you to watch this entire season since you've been back?
1: Yeah, binging. I think 2 days overall. Oh, wow. Um yeah but the episodes are exciting and they kind of just flow on from one another so so it wasn't a hard thing to do
0: and just remind everybody what you've been up to for the last month and a half
1: i have been traveling around scandinavia which was awesome and amazing and everybody should add iceland uh to their travel uh list is my hot tip from that experience (laughs) did
0: you pick up any gnomes while you're out there
1: I did not, but there were gnomes everywhere, oh, and more so trolls. But um, you know, gnomes, trolls, same difference.
0: Uh, any contact lenses that were just laying by the side of the road?
1: <laughs> no, and no random. Can't even remember their name. Energy bars? Oh, Cliff bars um, <laughs> at the at the airport, uh, which was very uh, annoying. <laughs> Nothing for free, anyway.
0: I'm really excited because we went shopping last weekend, and I saw on the shelf. I don't know if you saw. I, I sent a tweet out about this. Um, a whole shelf of Cliff Bars and it actually had a sign that said try me and I'm like hey it's the Amazing Race Canon ones that are just free for everybody right I didn't get a response from Cliff Bars themselves but uh, uh, many other people did respond and um, yeah the, I, I honestly can't say I've ever tried Cliff Bars or the contact lenses I don't know if the product placement is working for me but uh, we've got way more to talk about than product placement because uh, there's a very divisive couple on this show that's pretty much all the talk um before we even get into them just let us know what you thought of the amazing race Canada season seven so far
1: um I think it's been really strong I think uh the one thing I'm just waiting on is for them to kind of leave the country Mm -hmm. um I think it's kind of the perfect cure to get over post travel blues (laughs) um but I think they need to uh yeah go somewhere a little bit different um Iceland but overall. Yeah, I just I I think that um it's been good. I like the teams this season. I like that we have kind of this tension and drama coming into it. Um I think casting's great as always, uh, and it's just amazing race Canada which just to me it just always seems fresh and uh really happening.
0: And you said you like all the teams. Does that mean you like all of the teams? Um <laughs>
1: pause Yeah. I suppose like includes love to hate <laughs> um so i mean like dave and Irina. like it's not like i'm cheering for them to win but i definitely don't want them to go home um because i just the drama between them and the other teams is is so good and i feel like we haven't really seen um there's not too many couples to compare them to like with their attitude and everything so um I think we need that in the show. I mean, for me, like my the lead team I'm least invested in is Sarah and Sam, because really? I feel like they're fairly bland. <laughs> um, but I think everybody else kind of pops and has their moments throughout.
0: Well, essentially you mentioned Sarah and Sam too, because uh, we'll get into, I guess, them a little bit as we get closer to the end here, because they're obviously doing much better than they started out with. But uh, I'm still kind of unclear on... You know, whether or not they were a team that applied together, or if they were thrown together like uh, Melissa and Karen—I think her name was last year. As we always get her name wrong, uh, which they pretty much came right out and admitted. Yeah, you know we we both kind of know each other, but we just you know were thrown together before. The- whether it was you know the the producers wanted to throw them together, or uh, somebody just said, "Hey, we want Melissa on the race because she's pretty famous." who do you have you want to do this with? She's like, well, I know this one girl. Uh, and the way that Sarah and Sam are kind of set up from the first episode, they say that they're team Canada teammates, but like they're both in different sports. They're not from the same city. I mean, I'm sure they train around the same city and everything, but nothing on the show has really led me to believe they had any relationship prior to the show. And they don't really communicate like people who know each other a long time. So though I, I definitely think that they click more as a team than Melissa and Karen. Sorry, Karen from last season. Um, yeah, I, I kind of get what you're saying that they just they're they they do not have the same chemistry as some of the other teams, but there's probably a reason for that, unless you watch these all in just a few days. Have you picked up on anything where they alluded to them actually having a relationship outside of just being athletes that maybe, you know, they said, Hey, let's put these two together. Let's put them on the show
1: No, and I just like assumed that there were a couple. So, um <laughs> clearly I don't know anything and um now they're just back to people who are 10 uh, Olympic athletes who don't actually know each
0: other. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm thinking they do kind of know each other because they, they seem comfortable around each other. It's just, I, I want the show to at some point address that. Cause it's just, if it was for the, if it was just that, okay, well we don't want to come right out and say, Hey, they don't really know each other. I would understand that, but we're coming off of another season where they made it a story point for the team. Hey, they don't really know each other. So it's a mystery to be solved, maybe at the end of the season when they win and we get them on for a winner's interview. But uh, David Arena, we're going to have lots to discuss on them. Um, they are by far the biggest talking point of the season. No matter where you look, this is everybody's talking about them. And it does seem to be split fairly clear down the middle of people who are like, I just hate them, hate them, hate them. And then people like you say, like, I love to hate them. They're incredibly entertaining. Uh, but you're getting the same type of conversation which unfortunately you missed the discussion on the last episode. We got to get your feelings on it because it's still such a major story point, especially how you know the episodes really start off here about whether or not like them taking the cabs is cheating. Um, we get into a little bit of uh, what happens in episode five here too. But are you seeing anything unethical what they're doing? Because Rossi and I went through this last week, and we were both sort of of the opinion they're not doing anything that we haven't seen on every other Amazing Race season. It's just, this is more unusual for Amazing Race Canada team.
1: Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with what's happened. Uh, It's, like, not the nicest way to play, but Mm -hmm. I don't think there was anything outside the rules. And I think... Uh, before we'll get into it more, but the like copying the answer off the whiteboard was like, that's even less than like taking somebody else's cab. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The only thing that happened was just like this hypocritical attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of love that obliviousness to, to kind of what they've done themselves. Um, but yeah, no, nothing wrong with kind of what's gone on. Like hardly, uh, it's not like they've stolen other teams' money. Although, mm-hmm. Like there's lots of worse things that have happened in the past on other seasons of the show.
0: And I think all the way back on the first episode, you know, we even asked Martina about this and, uh, you know, all of our opinion was sort of, just they're very competitive and it's sort of their strategy to be competitive and maybe get inside the other team's heads. And the biggest rivalry we're really seeing develop here is between David Arena and then Arthi and Thanesh. When really, when, even this first episode when it started, I mean, Arthi and Thanesh in episode five, they start off by basically saying, you know, we're unstoppable at this point. And I'm thinking they're really no different than Dave and Arena as far as how they're approaching this, like as far as their confidence goes and everything like that. Th- there is a little bit of a difference between Dave and Arena herself in that she's, I think, more of a hothead. He has no problem, I wouldn't even want to say bending the rules because again, they have broken no rules whatsoever. They haven't done things that any other team hasn't done in 30-something seasons of all international editions, primarily the US one. We see this all the time. But Dave sort of seems to just be of the the attitude of of like an athlete, and when he's talking about you know we're the best, nobody can beat us, blah blah blah. blah. Um, I I just keep thinking like this is a fighter, this is like you know, a top fighter, and I keep comparing Muhammad Ali, and I I came off of in the last couple of weeks watching you know this HBO documentary on Muhammad Ali and realizing you know almost everything that Dave says is exactly what Muhammad Ali would say. It's just people accepted it with him because it was a character, but I'm starting to feel like Dave and Arena are in a way playing characters to get inside the other team's heads, to mess with them a little bit. And a lot of their overconfidence, uh, you know, as it might be perceived, or their cockiness is actually just a bit of a mind game. Like, well, what's your take on that or whether or not you think that this is genuinely, aside from maybe Arena's outburst in episode six, do you think this is genuinely they just are a little bit obnoxious and full of themselves, or do you think it is kind of a game to them and this is the strategy they're playing?
1: I think it's a bit of both, um, but I can definitely see what you're saying. Like, they remind me of, I suppose, like the 100-meter sprinters. Like, that whole, yeah, like, rub it in, act like you're all good, because it, it has had, like, the effect of, like, everybody, as soon as they see them, is worried about them getting out of there first, and, like, they're these big threats... Um, but I do think it's a little bit just in their mindset and attitude as well. But I think that probably comes with the territory of being mm-hmm. uh, a professional athlete that you put it on so much that eventually it does kind of just creep into your kind of everyday actions and, and how you view yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I love it. I love that like it's in other people's faces. Um, like as you've said, we've seen kind of a similar confidence or like cockiness from Arthur and Thanesh, um, but theirs is kind of saved for confessionals to the camera and when they're by themselves but I just love how like as soon as Dave and Irene come along it's more to her than him like she's always like she talks down to the other team she says how good he is how they're going to be out of there fast and I mean really um, we kind of picked on like Christy from Colin and Christy about like not doing like tasks and leaving everything up to Colin, but like this is that on like steroids because as soon as they get anywhere like Irina is like i'm not doing that i'm not (laughs) getting dirty um i'm not swimming under the ice um i could do it but i don't want to yeah um i think it's great like it's just fun to have those teams where like she's all like the smack talk but he's doing kind of all the Mm -hmm. tasks and the efforts and if it wasn't for him like she would have been out kind of like leg one, leg two.
0: And just to dwell a little bit more on the whole professional athlete thing, like I said, Muhammad Ali, he had the exact same persona that like Dave is putting on, you know, obviously with a different level of charisma, but even like we we both do the Olympics podcast off the podium as well, which I'm sure we're gonna have lots of coverage next year on. Uh, but Usain Bolt, we we talked a lot about Usain Bolt and how he would go out there and he would be like, you know, I'm the greatest. None of these people can touch me. You guys all suck. And that was just his persona. And I, I think there's a lot of clues to them putting on a persona for the cameras, um, which I'm jumping a little bit ahead now, but you know we'll have lots to talk about on all the challenges and everything, but in the, uh, the, the one when they're inside the mine in episode six, and she's saying, yeah, I'm going to let him do all the heavy lifting. I'm just going to pass him tools. But then if you actually look at the rest of the challenge, like go back and look at it, she's doing everything he's doing. So I believe that a lot of times they're saying these things to portray a character, whether it be for the other teams to just rub them the wrong way. And I actually think it's working because when you look at what happened, well, we'll save it for a minute. I'll, I'll <laughs> we're going to get into all the drama here. It's just, it's not even just David arena. We're just talking about, it's just all the drama they bring about, which I think is good for this season. Cause on you know leading into this season or even past seasons, the number one complaint you hear people say about the amazing race Canada is like, the teams are just all a little too nice. And now we have a team that's not being too nice And people are like all up in arms about it and they're upset about it. It's just bizarre to me. It's like you're actually giving the people what they've been asking for and suddenly they don't like it because they're not used to it. But anyways, let's start off here with uh, Nanaimo, um, which was leg five. And uh, I mentioned at the end of the last episode, Nanaimo bars, which is like the single greatest dessert anybody could ever have, which they go through the recipes here. Uh, Are you familiar? Is Nanaimo bars a thing anywhere outside of Canada?
1: I don't think so. If it is, then I haven't heard of it. But as soon as I saw them like eating it, like it sounded good, the recipe. But then when they were eating it afterwards, I'm like, uh, put that on my list of things to do when like, I visit Canada, oh, yeah. like pretty much like t- like top of the list, like Nanaimo bar, Yeah. Uh, then kind of everything else that's actually probably better than that. But like, <laughs> it just looks so good when they're eating it. Maybe I was hungry at the time and I'm just like, yep, I want that. The ingredients are great. Uh, it's full of sugar. Um, yeah. So that's... It's- uh-huh. Kind of on my uh, next list of places to travel to, just Nanaimo to get a Nanaimo bar and then straight back home.
0: Yeah, it's like I-, I can't even begin to describe how good it is. Like there, I don't think there's any dessert in any country in the world that compares to it. But uh, this is the home of Nanaimo bars. Uh, I guess that's what it's named after. And um, the first challenge we really get is product placement for Dora the Explorer, the movie. <laughs> um, are, have you ever watched Dora the Explorer? Was this a, a show you ever watched or are familiar with in any way I am familiar with it. I haven't
1: watched it but I have seen all the trailers um, for the movie which looks like uh, an incredible hot mess so I'm looking forward to uh, going to see it just for that reason I think it will be terrible but I think that is what will make it
0: uh, amazing um, I'm more familiar with go Diego go which was Dora's cousin uh, who had his own spin-off show just because my sister had all boys at least up until she eventually had a girl and they watched go diego go they watched a little bit of door of the explorer casper's watched a little bit of door of the explorer but it's not something he's into yet but i'm familiar enough with it that i'm sure at some point i'm gonna have to see uh, a lot of the cartoon and a lot of the movie uh and the theme this week was backpacks um <laughs> door of the explorer backpacks which i have to say of all the little product placement and tie-ins i think this is one of the better ones because they actually made it a part of the entire episode, even though the door the explorer part was you know very brief in the beginning. Um, we have the we're just kind of group all the challenge here together, but we have the uh bungee or swing um <laughs> challenge, which again visually looks fantastic, but then they throw the extra wrench in there. We have to memorize the ingredients into Naimo bars, uh, which is why we get uh the vanilla custard powder, ice egg sugar yeah. just screaming as they're going down, which is a great way to remember. and one of the things that Rossi and I have been complimenting all season is the way that they have these little twists in there that just make it a little bit more challenging for the team. So nothing seems easy to pass and it wasn't made clear to all the teams. Cause I can't remember who the first one to go through this was, um, where they were starting like, wait a second. And just before they had to jump, they're like, you memorize the top half, you memorize the bottom half. All the other teams eventually did that, but it wasn't like a clear thing to do. So it ended up being a little bit more challenging. Uh, After that, um, we have... uh, What was there? A speed bump. So, um, Trish and Amy got to finish their speed bump. They have to put together an orca whale skeleton. That was brief, like most speed bumps. Uh, And then we get the big challenge, which was the shellfish. They have to dig up all these different uh, types of clams. And the challenge this was the other big talking point, which I'm I'm really interested to get your opinion on was about how hard this challenge was. Maybe one of the hardest challenges we've ever seen on any amazing race. Uh, But the big part of this being the fact that Dave and arena take another penalty. Now I'm totally with you. The penalty in the previous episode, Rossi and I were like, what were they doing? Like there's no point to taking a penalty uh, or they took a penalty later on because they used the express pass on that one. It just seemed foolish on this one, I actually get why they used the or took the penalty. Um, and I think there's a psychological part to that too because all the other teams wanted to gang up and say, no, let's let us let them take the penalty and we'll all work together. Which, give me your opinion on that as well as the first challenge if you have anything to say about it. And then I've got a couple of comments I want to make which I'm sure will start some discussion here.
1: Yeah, I thought this challenge, uh, sorry, the episode challenge-wise was really strong. Um, I love the idea that like you could bungee jump indefinitely, mm-hmm. uh, if you couldn't remember the recipe, I just thought that was really unique. Like normally like a bungee jump is just like a roadblock. It's like a one that's done. And the fact that like, no, you have to keep doing this every single time until you can remember the recipe. I kind of wish that we had teams that had, like, were just really bad at remembering so I'd do it like 10 plus times.
0: Like the cab um, challenge at the end of us season drive around London. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought
1: it was a really nice twist. Um, to something that could have been, like, a simple task and just, like, putting in something that is, I suppose is as, as iconic to Nanaimo as, like, the bar and the recipe uh, was just a really good idea. Um, then this whole, like, clam challenge, I was getting flashbacks to, like, the hay bale rolling to find the clue. I'm like, they're going to be there forever. Like, like, do butter clams even exist at this point? Um, it was just really crazy. There was no kind of, like, rhyme or reason to, like, are they, like, closer to the water or are they further away or kind of, like, what's the strategy here? Do you just keep digging, like, indefinitely? Uh, and I have loved, uh, like, people would complain about, like, people taking, like, penalties and stuff, but I love the whole, like, using it as a strategy thing. Um, I think if it became, like, too frequent, it would get annoying and then they have to rethink it. But I love kind of the risk of, like, do we take a penalty and nobody else does and, like, the whole... Let's all work together and find everything together and then we can get them eliminated, uh, which falls apart immediately. Um, I just thought this episode with so many teams taking penalties and, like, the order changing, it was just really exciting. And the fact that, like, you... Like, I was legitimately concerned that, like, Arthur and Thanesh and Anthony and James... James, Yeah. um, Were, like... I'm, like, how long have they been there? It should... Like, they can't take a penalty at this point. Like... It was just really interesting like not knowing what was going to happen and kind of how far behind the teams were and the fact that like it got to this stage where like the last two teams were like digging up clams literally in like knee-deep water mm-hmm. um i just thought it was like a really special and nice moment to have a challenge that was doable but so hard because some of the challenges are so easy and i think like the next episode there was like nothing happening um but this was just, yeah, a really good, difficult challenge, but something that was actually um, could be completed. And, like, Sam and uh, Sarah. Sarah somehow like did this, like, so easily yeah. um, and got out of there. And I was like, how did they do it so much easier than everybody else? Um, but I just love that it was a persistence thing and, and that it was actually difficult for the teams to finish. And the fact that so many teams took a penalty here, I just thought was really exciting and interesting.
0: I think it was season five of the amazing race Canada, where for a while, their penalties were just getting out of control. And it does after a while become, um, I guess a bit of a downer for the show where you're just like, Oh, I'm tired of seeing these penalties. You really want to see people finish, but when done, right. When done here, the way that David arena did it and the other teams did it, it was perfect for the show. And it was really what made this episode, at the same time, while I'm in no way blaming the teams who took the penalty, I also am really happy that we had the two teams who finished. Although I see that it was by far the riski- riskiest strategy anybody has played this entire time. And this is where I think that Arthi and Thanesh, Dave and Arena are starting to get to them in a way where I see this being Arthi and Thanesh's downfall. Um, And, of course, everybody under the sun is, you know, behind Arthien Finesh because they're like, oh, we finished and we wanted to play fair and stuff like that. But there's a difference between I wanted to, you know, be upright and ethical, uh, even though, again, I say there's nothing unethical about what any other teams are doing, and just being foolish. To say you know what, let's have them take the penalty and let's all work together. That's great. But it took no time at all for these teams to realize there's no way to work together. You have to find these clams yourself. And the only time anybody actually worked together was when there was only two left and Arthi and Thanesh found it. And then Anthony and James, they're like, okay, we're going to help you because we you know, made a promise to you. But what would have honestly happened if all the other teams stuck around? Were Arthi and Thanesh going to stay there indefinitely helping every other team? So to say, yeah, let's all work together. I don't blame the other teams for taking a penalty because it, there is no way to really work together in this challenge unless you're going to stay once you're done, and then that's foolish because all the the, the disadvantage that David Arena have with their penalty, you're letting them catch up by doing that. So I see it as it worked out in this case, but overall, I think it was a foolish move, brought on more from Arthur Nash just kind of being annoyed at Dave and Arena. Like it's almost coming across very personal at this point. And I get why it would be as much as I love Dave and Arena as characters, watching them on TV. If I was on the show, I'd probably be reacting the same way the other teams are, but I wouldn't ever let it get in the way of, you know, I'm, I want to advance in this race. Good on Arthena for actually sticking it out and, you know, making good TV, at least for themselves and Anthony and James as well. But to me, this was just a foolish strategy to try to stick around that long because I've heard some talk that this went as long as four or five hours that some of these teams were here. And at that point, you could have taken two penalties and still somebody would have been ahead of you. Uh, so out of all the other teams taking it, don't blame them in any way. But uh, we can group in the next episode two just before we finish this one. But when we see Arthur Neshton there, very visibly anti-David Arena, do you think that they're David Arena are starting to get to them in a way where it's gonna become detrimental to them in the race?
1: Yeah, I could see it. I think more so in the second episode, like it's kind of got to this point where like it's not gonna like recover. Um I think in like this episode with the penalties, I can see what you're saying, but I think it was kind of mutual. I think it was Anthony and James who initially kind of bring up the idea and then it's kind of spurred on by Arthur and Thanesh. Mm-hmm. Um I think, too, what's been impressive is Arthur and Finesh keeping that express pass. Yeah. Um, and that definitely must, like, it had to have factored behind the idea to, like, stay there. Because they had, I think they even said in the episode, like, if Anthony and James get it and, like, leave, then we're just going to use the express pass. Yeah. Um,
0: but then you're still so... fighting for last place. Like, I don't know. It, it. They weren't going, necessarily going home just because they stuck out this challenge. But I think even that's so risky because. The Express Pass, they even say in the second episode, we want to save this so we can come in first one leg. Um, but if your last resort is, I want to tie for last, then I still think maybe that's too risky.
1: Hmm. And and like it would have played out that way too, like because Anthony and James knew the whole uh, goats on the roof thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely, yeah it definitely was risky kind of staying that long, but you kind of have to think they had some idea of where are we at time-wise mm-hmm. In relation to like how long have they been gone and and that, because surely if they're there like as soon as you're there for like I not even know, like an hour and a half after um the last team to take the penalty leaves, like I'd be like express pass, get out of here. Yeah. Um but I suppose it's probably hard to judge in that situation how long people have actually been gone for. Um and probably five minutes feels like an hour in that situation.
0: Yeah, there's the other thing. Do they have a watch? Can they see how long it's been? Uh, and plus, they could say, well, let's give it two hours because we know for a fact Dave and Arena are at least two hours behind. Um, maybe it was only two hours from that point. I don't know. Um, second part of this being with Dave and Arena taking the penalty, this was 100% strategic. I really hated that they said they strategically used uh, the penalty in the previous episode because I don't think that was strategy at all. I think that was, okay, you know what, w- without them coming out and admitting it, we wasted our express pass. We should have saved it for something like this. Now we have to take a penalty because it's the only way we can stay in. And it paid off for them, but I think barely. Uh, This time, if you know all the other teams are going to just stick it out, even if you don't know that, if you just know all the other teams are not on your side, and Dave and Arena are clearly well aware that, despite the outburst we get in the second episode, uh, I think they entered this race knowing we're not going to be making friends. Um, But if you're in a challenge and you can see everybody struggling. and You yourself are already struggling and you openly are the first person to take that penalty. You know, these other teams have no clue how long they're going to be there. It's very different for somebody like, I think I can learn this, but if you're, it's a complete crapshoot, who knows if we're ever going to catch this. You're setting the stage where you're like, we're going to be the first to take a penalty. And if other teams see us take a penalty, they know that they have a shot as long as they're not far behind us. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, so I thought that of all the times we've ever seen penalties taken, this was by far the most entertaining we've ever had. Now, the second part of the controversy, uh, which we get into now, was the Goats on the Roof challenge, which, again, it was cool. They got to go into the cave and had to search for these letters and everything and then do the puzzle. It's a very survivor-like challenge in a way. Uh, and first part of the controversy, which everybody's talking about, is Dave copying off of Trish's, I think it was Trish he was up against, uh yep. copying off of her board uh to get it, which there are so many people just because they're hearing other racers say, you're cheating. There's so many people who are online saying, oh, they're cheaters, they're cheaters. Like, have you ever watched The Amazing Race before? Like, this is a normal thing to do. You, you cover your work. And my opinion, and I'm glad that it, it seems like there are a ton of people out there who are saying the same thing, the real f- foolish move here was not cover- leaving, leaving your board unattended the same way. It's like you can't just expect, oh, your cab driver is going to sit there waiting for you like, you know, in the uh, the Yellowknife episode. How can you leave it unattended? Again, I'm not saying, oh, David Arena are right and Trish and Amy are wrong. I'm just saying you're on the race. You have to assume that that somebody is going to use you for an advantage i mean maybe it'll never happen maybe you're gonna be on the most honest season ever but why leave it unattended i I don't see anything wrong with what dave did in that challenge
1: no to me this is like it's happened so frequently not even just in the amazing race like survivor like everything like such like a like standard rule of like if you have a task where, like, you're writing something down or you're working out a code or something, you either cover it or, like, you rub it out completely. Mm-hmm. Like, it's at the point, like, it's not like this is a first-time thing, like, this is the first time it's ever happened. Like, it's such, like, common knowledge um, that, I was, like, there's nothing wrong with this. This is the same as, like, when, it, like, if somebody gets caught talking too loud and then somebody picks up the answer from that. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you have to just be, like, if you're doing this task and you're, like, Particularly when you're working against, like, another team, like, specifically, like, it's, like, don't give them any opportunity to, like, get an answer off off you at all. It's, like, the same when, like, um, Dave, like, goes and, like, hikes and, like, climbs up behind, like, the other two teams that are working together to get, like, the last letter he needs to solve the thing off them. Mm -hmm. Like at that point, like they should be like covering their boards, but they just had them like open and like, no, you can't work with us. And like, he's just like getting like the litter off you because you're not covering anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like do everything to your advantage. If somebody leaves a board uncovered, then like that's their own bad luck. Um, like Trish and Amy are probably my favorite team, but like this was just seriously like, it's like your own like fault. It's, it was like a stupid move on their part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm totally on what, like nothing wrong here uh, if, if anything like stealing the cabs which is nothing as well is worse than like this mm-hmm. that's more i feel like that's more of like an honesty system of like okay like they've left it waiting like the dr the driver is meant to be waiting for them um like then this is just like nothing at all
0: and here's the other thing there's something that bothered me in this episode as soon as i saw it and What bothered me more was when I saw so many people reacting to Dave's a cheater and stuff like this um, and didn't even think there was anything wrong with the second thing, which again, nothing that I'm saying is critical of the teams. Um, It's more critical of, well, this is how the race is structured. But when Anthony and James show up and they're like, oh, we've got this thing in our backpack and it's got this many layers. Oh, we know this because we've lived in this area it's going to be goats on a roof. Okay, so fine, they get it that's an advantage that's one of the things that's great about the races especially when you do stay in Canada is that you'll almost every week you get somebody saying you know what I know this area and they have a bit of an advantage sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't like next week for Megan and Marie but uh, or sorry Lauren Lauren and Joanne but um, everybody confuses Megan and Marie and Lauren Joanne Uh, but anyways um, the fact that they then went to uh, Arthi and Finesh and said okay we're going to give this to you because you helped us that's great fine But how does a rule not exist on The Amazing Race where you don't at least have to go through the motions of the challenge? The fact that they could show up and say, I know what this is, I'm showing it to this guy. The challenge is you need to go into the caves, you need to take these pictures. Now we're seeing teams skip an entire challenge just because they know it. Again, no fault to the teams. They're playing their advantage based on slightly manipulating the rules that are or not stated on the race. No different than Dave saying, I'm going to look off somebody's board because there's no rule saying you can't do that. But as a viewer... I don't want teams to be able to just go in there and say, oh, I know what this is and not have to go through it. Like, I think there honestly should be something where even if you go and you say, I know this is goats on the roof, they're like, okay, well, you still have to go into the caves, you still have to take the pictures, you still have to come out. If you can go in there and just run through the caves, snapping pictures of whatever you see and then come out and then solve it, fine. But the fact that they just showed up and didn't have to do anything, boring, boring TV and... I'm pretty sure this is something that in future seasons, they're going to be like, you know what? We at least need to make the teams do the challenge.
1: Yeah, I agree. There need to be some minimum here um, of just at least going through the caves because they obviously didn't have to get like a photo of all the letters. Mm-hmm. It's not like Dave missed one, couldn't find it. Um, but yeah, they need to at least yet yeah, walk through, maybe like take at least like one photo, just something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Goats on the roof too. It was such a good idea because it was so vague. But I just know from watching, I was like, I like know that personally, I never would have got that, yeah. <laughs> like in my life, would like you have I would been looking been on Nimi's like, board. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes, and I would have been one of those people looking on like their maps as well. Like we can't find anything on here. And I'd be trying to write down like street and like road and like I don't know city hall. Um, yeah, I just. For me, like, I just knew watching this, so I was like, that's something that I would never get. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have to be cheating or uh, working with another team or sneaking up behind people. Um, and the fact, like, that the carrots in the backpack were meant to be this big <laughs> hint. Um, no, not at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, only Anthony and James would have known that. Um uh, yeah, I I I'm love that you said you would have looked on it too because that's the thing anybody in that situation would have um, but I also do like that a team can go in there and have an advantage by I guess having the home field advantage or whatever uh, in the end Megan and Marie end up getting eliminated from uh, this episode they didn't turn out as interesting as I would have thought but they don't think they were around long enough uh, what I really did love and this goes to what I was saying that Dave and Arena are definitely playing characters uh, both for the cameras, for entertainment maybe, and also to the other teams. Because when Meg and Maria are gone and all the teams are there and they're all having a group hug, Dave and Arena are just standing off to the side. Now, one part of that I think was probably Arena being like, I don't want to hug them. And Dave being like, okay, fine. Uh, another part, I think there's three parts to this. Another part I think was them saying, you know what, there's potential that some of these people are going to be upset and we don't want to cause a scene. This is their moment, let's let them have it. The third part being... I think that these teams honestly are not taking as personally as the viewers think they are. Because Megan and Marie say, we love all these guys, even these robots over here, pointing to Dave and Arena. And Dave and Arena are laughing and be like, oh yeah, like they get it. Like these teams genuinely seem to like each other, even with Dave and Arena here. But uh, anything final you want to say on Megan and Marie here?
1: Uh, not really. They're enjoyable, but I think of all the teams that could have gone at this point. Um, they were probably the team apart from Sarah and Sam who I was most kind of okay with losing. Mm.
0: They're the twin team, which, you know, Jamie and I, we have twins that just turned three months old, like a day or two ago. Uh, and just like we did with Casper, we're naming a lot of their animals, uh, their stuffed toys after Amazing Race characters. We do have a Martina and Phil that the twins have, but uh, we actually have these twin raccoons and I'm debating about calling them <coughs> Megan and Marie. Although Jamie said, no, those are boy raccoons. I'm like, how did you tell <laughs> the difference? Uh, but just because they are twins and we have newborn twins we're thinking about it. so Megan and Marie you're you're on the list for the names of the twin raccoons we have uh, it is weird though This so I thought it was just me and Rossi but like so many people are like I, I even saw a comment this week with Lauren and Joanne saying I thought that the tw- Megan and Marie were already eliminated and they were at the beginning of this episode and people were like no different set of sisters <laughs> uh, can you tell the difference between them?
1: I can, but I think it's only because, well, I can't can't tell the difference between the individuals in the pair, but whoever the funny one is out of uh, Lauren and Joanne um, really, like, sticks out to me. The one who's a little bit, like, manic and crazy, Mm -hmm. um, she's enjoyable to watch.
0: Yeah. Uh, So, second episode here, they get to go to Saskatoon, which, uh, because I'm from Manitoba, and really, in Canada, the prairies are considered, like, the most boring place to live uh, because it's just a lot of wheat fields. I mean, not in the city. I'm in a fairly big city of like seven, eight 800,000 people. But the province as a whole, it's considered like, oh, the prairies, that's boring. You don't have mountains or oceans like the other ones or money. <laughs> but uh, because we're in Manitoba and we're bordered by Saskatchewan, uh, Saskatchewan and Saskatoon kind of are the butt of all of our jokes. So I actually... Burst out laughing when John Montgomery is like Saskatoon, otherwise known as the Paris of the Prairies. I'm like, what? <laughs> Saskatoon? It's like I don't know. If, would somebody say that like Idaho was like the the, the Paris of the United States? I don't know. Um, and and I notice here again, Dave and Arena. You know, you have Arena taking things very personally. You have this blow up at the beginning. Uh, Dave, there's just something about his demeanor that I really like. When the team's like, "Do you cheat it off the board?" and he goes, "Yeah." And he's just like, why not? Yet he's not being antagonistic. Like he's still being completely pleasant to these people, but he's just admitting it. I'm like, Dave knows this is a game. Arena, I think she does to a certain extent, but she certainly had her moment here where, where she's like pointing her finger and like, which I, I got a big <laughs> laugh out of. It, but like, yeah, she's the hothead on this team, but it was a great moment. But really that's where the drama ended. I mean, I think this second episode, there was some decent challenges. I feel like Dave and Arena were almost on their best behavior in this episode, that it just wasn't as dramatic as the last two. Um, the We get the, the putting the curtain up in the mine, which is kind of cool when they said they're going like a kilometer uh, below the earth. Uh, but then just watching them sort of hang a curtain wasn't the most visually compelling thing to watch, although I did mention already take notice that arena has that line it says i just am here to hand him all the tools and let him do the hard work and then you watch the rest of the challenge and she's doing everything he is so they're playing characters and a lot of people are buying into it uh oh yeah she says this is her exact line dave does all the work and i give him the small tools and complain which i got a big <laughs> laugh out of She says, oh these aren't very flattering outfits that was another great one um, second after that we get the um the, the detour so there's the square dancing challenge where you have to have one person uh, learn how to call this square dance and then the other one has to do the dance. Really only two, two teams took this one. Dave and Arena did and they immediately like, okay, we're switching. And then you had um, uh, Amy and uh, Trish who actually stuck it out, uh, which really I think they probably would have done better than the other one, but they they wanted to stick it out anyways. And then the second one being the the maze where you're going through this labyrinth and you have to pick out uh, certain types of corn. This would have been a great one to do in Winnipeg because just outside of the city, we have something that's called the Corn Maze, which is a corn field that has like a labyrinth carved into it, which I've always wanted to go to. They also have stuff there like zip lines and repelling and things like that. So it's it's more of a, you know, kind of, uh, what'd you call it? Like a Prairie's amusement park. <laughs> but uh, the maze still, I thought, again, this was a great idea and it was dramatic watching the teams in it. But as far as like, being visually entertaining to me, the the only way to film this was like the one camera that showed the entire maze, and they had those little pointers that were like Dave and Arena, Arthur and Thanesh, and and uh, Sarah and Sam, and it just looked like a game of Pac Man to me. Like I don't think it was very easy to follow. Uh, And then the final challenge um, was the lacrosse thing, uh, which they labeled as Canada's uh, su- national summertime sport. Um, You're familiar with lacrosse, I'm guessing, right? Uh, Familiar with it. You know it exists. Uh, Everybody in Canada knows that even though hockey is like our national pastime, lacrosse, I think, is considered the national sport of Canada, being that it's a complete Canadian creation and everything. Uh, But I don't think I've ever seen a person play lacrosse in my life. So this is a little bit too pumped up on the importance of lacrosse in Canada. Uh, But uh, overall... square
1: dancing isn't a national summertime sport of Canada
0: I gotta be honest I probably know more people who have at least done a square dance in their life than I do who have played lacrosse I'm not knocking lacrosse I think it's a cool sport but it's not like you go to the park and you see a bunch of people playing your lacrosse like this they're talking about like the Saskatoon rebels and maybe in a place like Sask Saskatoon has no professional sports teams maybe the Saskatoon rebels or whatever they're called were uh, but, <laughs> no, um, square dancing and even maze running might be <laughs> bigger sports in Canada. Uh, so, all the challenge in this episode, what did you think of them?
1: Honestly, I think this was, like, the worst episode of the season, apart from the drama at the airport. Mm-hmm. I just, like, there's obviously nothing to do in Saskatoon. Like, it was just a really bad advertisement. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> um they go to the Canadian light source, which still, like, for the life of me, I just don't know what it is. I don't know if I was paying attention because I was so bored. Um, but, like, I don't know what it is. And they kept, like, talking on about it, like, how good it is. And I'm like, yeah, but what actually is it? And why are you going there to just pick up a clue and do nothing? There's just so many places they went. They're, like, the, the emotional family messages, which weren't emotional at all. Oh, yeah. Um, at a gas station. <laughs> like, it's just Shell. the highlight of the town is the Shell gas station. I'm like surely there was something else I just everything was like the square dancing challenge was so much harder than anything else in this episode Oh yeah, there was like no real chance like apart from the detour to like really like overtake things and like change up the order like a lot the like hanging up the curtain was too easy and it wasn't like that interesting to watch Um, I just it was just not like a great leg yeah the airport drama was amazing and I loved like how, like, uh, hypocritical, like, Irina was being mm-hmm. about, like, you guys six on ones cheating, but we can do whatever we want yeah. and, and that's fine. Um, but, yeah, just – I just can't believe they stopped at a gas station <laughs> to, look, <laughs> and- to, to look at these, like, messages from family that were kind of – that were nice, but then they were weird in, like, the situation where you had, like, teams like um, – Sarah and Sam, where, like, they show, like, one parent, but, like, they're not related, and, like, like, hi, Sarah, meet my mom. Yeah, Um, did only one,
0: this is what I wonder, did only one member of each team get a message, or did they just only air one? And if they only aired one, why did they pick ones that were so boring? like, hey, how's it going? Oh, look, there this is my dad. Okay, all right, like, great, let's move on. Like, these teams almost felt like they're like oh that was nice but they just wanted to move on meanwhile we had i think the last time we really had this was i remember when sam and paul you know got the the, this message from home and um it was so much bigger than this like (laughs) and like you said it's a gas station (laughs) oh that it warms my heart that you're mocking saskatoon right
1: now it just felt like it was too like too early for this and maybe it is i mean it's like It's leg six, so I suppose they've been gone for a while. But I'm like, you haven't left, like, the country yet. It feels like this is something that needs to happen, like, overseas when you're, like, a million miles away from home and not, like, in, like, your home province. Like, Mm -hmm. you could, like, drop by for, like, a cup of tea on, like, the leg or, like, run into a family member who just happens to be at the (laughs) gas station because that's all you can do in this town.
0: Yeah. Well, which we saw that. I don't know if you watched the season, but the one with Team Giver... Uh, where they ran into the, one of their cousins, Johnny Mustard, I think was his name, in episode one or two. They actually ran into their cousin like, hey, look, it's my cousin. Uh, that would been great. With, like, uh, Lauren and Joanne, you know, they're they're the first team ever from Saskatchewan. And they're like, oh, we're on home turf. This is our advantage. It would been great. It's like, oh, look, it's a message from home. And look, your dad's pumping the gas <laughs> because he works here. <laughs> uh, there's just so many more opportunities for this. But then, like you said, too, like the challenges uh, – I don't, I'm not just saying this because I'm from Manitoba and that's the rivalry Manitoba versus Saskatchewan uh, but it's we've been to places where they're very small towns and there's not much to do and there was just something in this episode where it's just I don't know maybe it just we, we've run into this on a lot of seasons where there's challenges like on paper that looks great but when you actually see it play out on TV it's just not that exciting if that makes any sense.
1: I just felt like there needed to be, like, a roadblock in this leg somewhere. Yeah. Um, but I'm guessing that they're just, like, there's nothing to do there, so they just actually couldn't put it in. But, like, surely just do something at the, like, modern art museum. hmm Just felt like it was really, like, I'm kind of glad it was a non-elimination leg because it was, like, so, like, I just feel like no team deserved to go home on a leg that was, like, this bland.
0: Yeah. In Saskatoon, like, what are you even going to do when you leave? <laughs> You're going to go to the Shell Station, pick up a cliff bar, um
1: like even the lacrosse challenge like it was so easy that it was pointless I know. yeah
0: it's like
1: two targets and I was like why are they not like playing on a field and then they have to try and get it past somebody who can actually stop it instead of hit two targets which we've got four across the entire top length of the goal so basically as long as it's like up in the air it's going to hit something there mm-hmm.
0: this just is I guess to create some type of talking point on this episode um you know, with arenas, like, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to do any heavy lifting. And there definitely has been a place where she could do that when she can get away with it. But we also saw her in the uh, the mining challenge saying that and actually doing the challenge. In the lacrosse challenge, she was great at the lacrosse challenge. So she can physically do She can back up her claim saying, oh, I can do this. I just choose not to, which makes me like her that much more as a character. Uh, but that was pretty much the only thing that really even stood out in the lacrosse challenge if they had made them play a game or something like that, even just a few minutes, it would have been a little bit better. Mm. Let's just, uh, let's add up, you know, Winnipeg versus Saskatoon here. They've been to Winnipeg twice. Uh, In season two, they got to play hockey uh, in the, the MTS center and NHL arena. They got to do... Uh, some type of 80s uh, role playing thing at a nightclub uh, in the last season they got to do magic tricks at you know, the, the center of the city uh, they got to do darts and a face off in Saskatoon they go to a gas station they throw a pass in lacrosse and they go underground and hang up a curtain um, score 2 for Winnipeg that's what I'm saying
1: mm, I feel like all these challenges will, like plan like D like, it feels like everything <laughs> fell through <laughs> And they're like oh no like what like literally what can we do um oh this gas station said we can film there <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay <laughs>
0: yeah, make make pumping gas a challenge or something like that there's your roadblock you yeah. need to pump
1: gas hmm. like lacrosse should have been like as much as they don't like them like a face-off or something yeah um because like it's like a contact sport like you have all these rivalries at this point um like i think that was a missed opportunity
0: mm-hmm. um so in the end of this episode, obviously, as you said, you know, it's another nomination. Trish and Amy, like, they have nine lives. Uh, they're going to survive all these things. And I'm glad, too, because I think a couple episodes ago, Rossi and I were saying, like, yeah, you know, I just haven't found anything about Trish and Amy that I'm really drawn to. And then last episode, or last episode we did, so the last two episodes, I'm like, you know, they're really starting to grow on me. And I was so happy they weren't gone, too, because I feel like I'm at the point where I genuinely like all of these teams, You know, there are some that I prefer more than others, but I don't have anybody on this season. Even though I talk so much about Dave and Arena, I I, I more love to defend them because I think that a lot of the criticism they get is unfair, and I think they're great characters. I wouldn't say that they would rank in, like, my top five, even top ten favorite Amazing Race Canada teams of all time. And I don't think I've found any teams yet this season that I'm absolutely in love with. But there's no teams I dislike. Trish and Amy, though, like, they're becoming the team I really want to root for, um... And they've had a great underdog story, you know. We we obviously got with Amy her, uh, you know, a, a hearing impairment that she has. Which, c- considering they were in the Square dancing Challenge, they thought that she would win the weak link. It wasn't her. And then we got Trish with her whole, you know, I, I lost so much weight, and you know, I run all these marathons now, and uh, I pose in a bikini, and I'm however much old. Like, they're developing this great underdog story, which when a team gets as many non-alims as they've gotten usually you're like okay at this point if they win i'm going to be annoyed but somehow i i think it actually it works for them and it makes me want to root for them more because i feel like they're, they're surviving at just the right time and they're never going to be a front-running team but i'm having fun watching them
1: yeah they actually they're my favorite team left um I just love, like, their reaction to everything. You can tell they're, like, really enjoying it and trying to soak everything in. Like, my favourite moment of the entire episode is when there's the argument at the airport and then they just cut to this shot of, like, Amy, like, sinking, like, back into the background, like, off-camera. Like, it's the funniest thing I've seen the whole season. Um, yeah, they're just fun to watch and I like that every episode they're like, this is the leg when we're going to come in first and, like, it, yeah. like, never happens and they're always at the back of the pack. But, like, at the same time, I feel like they're not actually bad and like they've gotten kind of bad luck in some situations with like taxis and stuff when they were actually like doing quite well um so i feel like it's like okay that they're here because they're not a team that's like so terrible and keeps getting saved yeah um like they're not great but they're like they are competent so like it's okay (laughs) that they've got saved twice at this point
0: (laughs) they're not great but they're competent that's like the best one-liner from Jared in a long time. <laughs> but I completely agree. Um, we still haven't left Canada. I, I don't think we're going to anytime soon. The, the version you watched, did it have a preview for the next episode?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so, no.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, from the one I watched, I can't remember exactly where they went. I think it was somewhere in Ontario. But yeah, they're still staying in Canada. I honestly don't know. Maybe they're not going to leave Canada. Or you know what would be great is if they end this in another country. I know you always want to end in the country you start, but it would be great if they just save it for the end and they end in like Peru or something like that. Um, but, uh, anyways, do we have any other of these teams to run? We've kind of covered our feelings on all the teams throughout this episode. We talked about certain Anthony and James, anything you want to add on them?
1: Uh, not really. They're fun to watch. You know what would be good this season? I think we need like a partner swap because I want yeah. to see like Irina like paired with like. Um, just anybody else yeah, <laughs> um, I think would be great. And Dave with anybody else, just like swap these like teams up for an episode. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's the one time I'd be up for the partner swap again. Um, we also don't have our predictions this week because Rossi's the keeper of predictions, but I will just update people. Um, I was losing badly <laughs> after our first four, four episodes. I'm pretty sure I'm still losing badly, uh, but we will uh, get back to that next week. We do have two listener questions here. Uh, one of them is from a former racer. Uh, <laughs> sadly, the person the question was for is not on the episode this week. So, uh, we we'll save that again for him next week, but I will still ask this question of Jared. Uh, but before we get to the listener question for Rossi, here's a listener question from, uh, one of our most loyal listeners, Chris Dixon, who asks, uh, this is, this is an interesting one because I got an interesting answer for this. I'm curious to see what you think. What food and drinks do you like to consume while you guys watch the Amazing Race Canada? Jared, you take it first. What food and drinks do you consume while you're watching Amazing Race Canada?
1: Um, it's usually either either chips, salt and vinegar, which there is a lack of over in Iceland, I must say. It's <laughs> disappointing. Um, or like chocolate cake um, and like a cup of tea. Like that's like the go-to.
0: Um, do they have any like special chip flavors in Iceland that you didn't find anywhere else in the world?
1: Um not that I noticed. They just called like original like salted, which kind of annoyed me. I'm like, it's original. <laughs> um and then they had like salt and vinegar like at one place and it was like new, brand new flavour, salt and vinegar. And I'm like, good to see you catching up with the rest of the world. Um but I think I was probably just so disappointed that I couldn't find salt and vinegar. I was just so tunnel vision that I didn't notice any other kind of new or interesting flavours.
0: Um the Canada exclusive flavor which I didn't even realize was Canada exclusive till I met people from America who were like why do you guys have ketchup flavored chips but like that's a thing in Canada and probably one of the most well uh, known flavors where any type of chip maker has ketchup flavored chips apparently that's a Canadian only thing I'm not going to say they're bad but I'm one of the few Canadians who's going to be like you know I'm never going to really choose ketchup chips mine would be like dill pickle but that's because like dill pickles are my favorite food in the world but as far as what my go-to snacks or food and drinks are watching Amazing Race Canada um, I think I need to preface this by saying the show airs at like nine o'clock here and if I'm lucky I get to watch it right before I'm going to bed but like My evening, including right now, which I think is 8 o'clock in the evening right now, and Jamie's already telling me, okay, when are you going to be putting Casper to bed? Uh, It's mostly sitting up watching Max and Ruby or Peppa Pig um, or Woody Woodpecker or whatever else Casper's watching this week. Mm -hmm. And if I'm lucky, I get to watch a whole show of something like Amazing Race before bed. At that point, I'm not really eating or drinking anything. Most of the time, though, I have to watch this the next morning before I go to work So my go-to food and drink is usually multigrain Cheerios with milk uh, together. So my food and drinks go together uh, as I watch this, as I eat breakfast and slowly start to prepare for going to work. So mine, not nearly as good as Jared's. Uh, We'll have to swap one of these. Such
1: a Saskatoon snack, I feel. Uh,
0: Well, that's, I mean, somebody in Saskatoon, they wouldn't even have the milk. They just eat dry cereal. (laughs) Disgusting. Uh, probably bought from the Shell Station, the only place they can buy groceries. <laughs> Anyways, uh, second listener question comes to us from Martina, who's still listening to our podcast. And uh, this is to do with her spin-off show, as she found out that Rossi had not seen Tastes of the Race yet. Now, have you been able to watch any of the Martina and Phil spin off Tastes of the Race?
1: I have not. I feel like I'd be geo blocked on like the official channels, mm-hmm. so maybe like Daily Motion or something can like hook me up.
0: Well, <laughs> her question because it came up that Rossi hadn't seen it. And her question was literally Rossi, how could you not have seen taste of the race yet? Uh, so I'll answer on behalf of Rossi and just assume it's the same as Jared, that it's not easy to find it outside of Canada right now, but I'm dedicated to showing them taste of the race. So even if I have to use my phone to film my TV while they're watching it, I'll show them taste of the race because it's, it's a blast to watch Martina and Phil get competitive and, uh, um, and uh, cheat off of each other. I'm sure by the time this episode or the next episode goes up, uh, Phil will have copied something off Martina's cutting board. <laughs> but that's going to be going on all season, so keep watching that. And thank you for the question, Martina. And I'll ask Rossi next week as well. Uh, maybe he'll have seen it by then. Uh, anyways, we gotta buy, rent, or bin these episodes. We'll do them separately. Uh, let's start with episode five, Nanaimo. Do you want to buy it, rent it, or bin it?
1: Uh, Nanaimo, I'm going to buy. Uh, And then watch with a Nanaimo bar. Um, I mean, and then like episode six, uh, it's it's a bin for
0: me. (laughs) I completely agree with you this week. Um, Nanaimo, not as good as the Yellowknife episode, the one prior with the cab gate, Uh, but it's up there just for the drama we had. I love Nanaimo, so I'm totally buying that one. Uh, And I will bin uh, the Saskatoon episode. No knock against Saskatoon, just. Like we both said, it's five minutes of drama and then some not so great challenges. But I'm sure it's going to be right back up next. Those are our first bins of the whole season as far as I know. So uh, we're on a good roll here. Uh, We're going to hopefully be back next week and be done with these double episodes. Usually we save the double episodes for the non-elimination legs. uh, But we're already a week behind so we have to talk about this time. And Rossi, I'm sure, will be back next week. And then, fingers crossed, Martina and Phil will be on with us for a recap before the end of the season. We just have to figure out the right timing and it needs to be on a week where we know that we can actually record so that's the other thing Um, outside of amazing race canada ben has a a recap going up or probably already has gone up for australian survivor and i just found out today our australian survivor contestant who uh, recap with ben this week wants to come back to do a review of rambo last blood when that comes out next month so we'll have uh, an australian survivor contestant reviewing rambo last blood with me Uh, outside of that we have uh, nothing going on for movies, really, uh, except for our one-year anniversary of our review of The Room, uh, which is generally regarded as one of the best, worst movies ever made. Ben and I did a commentary of this, so you can listen to that now. And then starting next month, we're going to begin with Terminator recaps leading into the next Terminator movie, and then a whole bunch of Star Wars before the end of the season. And I don't know about the Australian Survivor, uh, how often this is going to be going on, but there will be some more recaps throughout the season, as Ben... Uh, chats with various people on Australian survivor. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google podcasts. Uh, what's that other one? Spotify? Um, YouTube. There's probably some stuff on YouTube. Uh, Taste of the race. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get a name drop in season two on Taste of the race. We'll get Martino. We have Oz Network TV sh- uh, TV shirts. T-shirts. In case anybody's wondering, both Ben and I have an Oz Network TV shirt. TV, t T-shirts. <laughs> um, those are selling like hotcakes, but there are Oz Network TV sh- t- T-shirts! <laughs> T-shirts. Um. <laughs> So, if you're interested in one, uh, just message us, as at least one person already has. uh, And we'll get Martina wearing an Oz Network (laughs) t-shirt on Season 2 of Taste of the Race. Anyways, thank you for joining me, Jared. uh, Rossi, uh, drop dead. Uh, You have no time for us. Jared waited six weeks to be on here, and you couldn't be bothered for just one recording. Uh, But we'll be back next week. My name is Colin, and... I really would love some multigrain Cheerios and ketchup chips. Thank you for listening to The Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.